Dorchester Food Co-op is cooperative, is called a hybrid because the owners will be members of the co-op as well as employees. The ultimate in the co-op world is when employees get to own a piece of the action so that if the enterprise does well, the employees do well. For a food co-op, what is special is when not only the, the employees, but the owners who are the people in general who have membership in, in the co-op do well. And they do well in several ways. We get to choose what's on the, on the shelves. That's important. We get to choose to raise additional funds so that the co-op does not become an exclusive club. And that's a tendency that often happens with co-op. If you're a member and you can afford the membership fee, you get in and you vote with your pocketbook for your health. another episode of the Moonlighters Club and the Boston Ujima Project come together to make yours, mine, and ours. I'm so excited. We got some new digs. We're not in an attic. We're in a real studio, uh, lit up, hanging out. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, everyone, meet Apollo. How's it going? Terrific. Good, good. Thanks for coming. Thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. All right. So we're going we're gonna to talk about a bunch of things. We're going to talk about the Ujima Project. We're going to talk about you, the Dorchester Food Co-op, but let's just get some background going. Where are you from? I am originally from Puerto Rico. Okay. And I came to the continental U.S. in New York okay. uh, when I was about seven. But my heart always stayed in Puerto Rico, even as I grew up and adjusted to being here. I've been in Boston probably for the longest that I've been in one place. It's been in Boston. I came here in 81. Good. As long as you left New York. This is where you need to be. Forever. Absolutely. Yeah, you see those socks humming, right? This is oh, this is this is my this countryman is, is at the <laughs> at the helm. So you know. yeah, you know you you know that I'm rooting for them. <laughs> so you, you you moved to Boston. I'll I'll just fast forward it. When it came time to think of things you like to do professional wise in life, did you always have an idea of things that you favored, traits that you liked, things in education that really you know got your energy? Did you know what you wanted to be when you were younger? You know, I when I was Younger, I, I fancy myself as a philosopher, a teacher, and I wanted to do that. But it didn't work out that way. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I do a lot of teaching and training in, in the work that I do now, yeah. which is I manage an urban farm. Okay. And there's a lot of teaching in that, you know, but it's not what I thought that I would be doing. How did you get there? I assume you, like, yeah, farming in general, in Boston. Like, how do you even... You know, good question. I often ponder that. My yeah. sister told me, my older sister told me, I knew you would always end up in farming. Really? Yeah. And I said, what? Yeah. When you were in that age, when you have imaginary friends, yeah. you had imaginary ownership of cows. And when we went to visit our grandmother, you claim in debt seriousness of a file four or whatever year old, those are my cows. Yeah. Those are my cows. I tell everyone, those are my cows. No, all kidding aside, I grew up 
in harmony with the environment. I was very fortunate to go hiking and camping and to be exposed to those things as an early age. And I was also fortunate to be exposed to the growing of food early on. And I never really made the connection between food, growing food and health until I was in basically what I consider a health crisis. I had been diagnosed with prediabetes and sure enough, you know, that I was not feeling well and I weighed more than I weigh now, way more. I weighed about 50 pounds more. Um, and that was partially due to working in indoors. But, you know, you ask, did I want to be a, a farmer when I grew up? No, I, but that's what I ended up doing. And I am, I'm very happy to be an urban farmer because I don't think that urban farming, even though it happens in small scale, is any less significant. And, and I look at farming across the food system continuum and the food co-op, Dorchester Food Co-op, which I am very excited to be a part of, especially as we get ready to open up our physical store next year, is part of that because it is an outlet. You know, you could grow food, and if you don't have a good conscious distribution outlet channel, mm -hmm. then, you know, the journey is not complete. And one of the things that makes me excited about the Dorchester Food Co-op is our members believe in solidarity and they, we, we raise money to make it possible for some folks in our community that might not be able to be members or might not be able to get what they want through our co-op. We make it possible for that to happen more readily than not. Got it. So because you're healthy, you said you just started doing things differently. Is After that is when you said, okay, I want to look into farming. But exactly. Got it. So what is the first step to that? Because I have a plant outside it lasted three months i'm done like i'm not i'm not going back that road so you living in boston yep right? yeah not no, even... living in boston and uh where really i don't think that farming that is the intentional production of food for distribution to the general public became illegal under the zoning bylaws of the city of boston I know that. Because all the farming that was in Roxbury and in Dorchester and in Mattapan lapsed. So there was no other farm. And when people at the Urban Farming Institute started farming, folks like Bobby and Nataka, a couple that were pioneers in this, started gorilla farming. That's what it was. I would see my brother gorilla might be offended by that. That, that you know, it is what it is. Uh, and no, no, no harm or offense intended. But it was illegal. So I ran into this this couple, and they showed me the way. But b before that, I I started taking courses online from McGill, which was I took this wonderful course, Food for Thought, and that was a, a window into really significant food-related issues that, are, you know, attracted my attention. I was immediately there. And, of course, I was in the midst of that health situation. And my father and other family members had have developed diabetes, and I was petrified by that disease. Yeah. But it worked out. You know, I'm very happy to be doing what I'm doing now. Boston's weird like that. There's a lot of draconian laws for the most random things in Boston about a lot of it involving business and what like you wouldn't expect. The Sunday, the Sunday laws yeah, are, yeah, yeah. Are, are a bit crazy. Yeah. I mean, and you're right. It isn't just Boston. And I think what happened historically, farms and cities 
coexisted, you know, it makes sense. You know, this is where people are. This is where the food is very nearby. And as those kind of uses, they were pushed out further. And for sometimes for good health reasons, people were growing pigs, chickens, unlimited numbers, not regulated. And that causing all kinds of sanitary issues. You know, you could give them the benefit of the doubt that they meant well and reduction in the use of farming and these sanitary issues made it very easy to exclude it. But around 2015, it became legal again under Article 89 of the Boston Zoning Bylaw. And that's great because, you know, bringing it back to how the Dorchester Food Co-op fits into this growing urban farming and especially BIPOC folks engage in urban farming. It's such a return on investment because people get aware and become aware of, of the healthy options. And often it's not even that they become aware, it's that they have an option. They have a, they have a channel for being healthier. And I was always impressed by that, but that's what urban farming does. And bringing it back to the food co-op, here's another, even a better outlet for doing just that and helping the urban farmers do what they do best and make it a living at it. Yeah, so let's head on that. What exactly is the Dorchester Food Co-op? Dorchester Food Co-op is cooperative. It's called a hybrid because the owners will be members of the co-op as well as employees. The ultimate in the co-op world is when employees get to own a piece of the action so that if the enterprise does well, the employees do well. For food co-op, what is special is when not only the, the employees, but the owners who are the people in general who have membership in, in the co-op do well. And they do well in several ways. We get to choose what's on the, on the shelves. That's important. We get to choose to raise additional funds so that the co-op does not become an exclusive club. And that's a tendency that often happens with co-op. If you're a member and you can afford the membership fee, you get in and you vote with your pocketbook for your health. But given our economy, we do not all have that ability. And one thing that I would say about the Dorchester Food Co-op, that we are very conscious of that. And we even have a solidarity committee that develops way in which we can raise money to make membership possible, to subsidize either 50% or even 100% a CSA share, which is that community-supported agriculture, for a season. And in, in the case of the Dorchester Food Co-op, even though our bricks and mortar store is not yet open, we do have a CSA for members. And the CSA farmers are the Urban Farming Institute and the Oasis on Baloo, which is the farm that I manage. And we are thrilled to be able to do this for Dorchester Food Co-op members. And we're even more excited that one third, about 33%, if we want to be more, more exact, of the shares are subsidized shares. And that's a byproduct of a cooperative. You know, when you compare cooperative, who are the stakeholders compared to who are the stakeholders of a company, a traditional company? A traditional company, you know, you, you have owners and then you have uh, stockholders. And the number one duty of 
the people that run the of management is to maximize the value of these stocks. It doesn't matter that what you are selling is not the most healthy food. It that doesn't matter. But when you have a co-op in comparison, the ultimate responsibility of management is to do what the members want. And most people that come to a co-op end up whether whether they they start out there or but uh, or not they end up having awareness of uh, what f- good food is and what to avoid and of course they sign up and they sign up in the co-op because we get to say what's on ourselves. Yeah, that's what changed my mind uh, for business because there was a certain point in time I'm like I'm just gonna be rich like I'm gonna have no feelings. I'm going to make money. Yep. If I got to stab people in the back, they're going to stab in the back. Until you realize what that actually means. Like when you realize that there were lawsuits where you got to shell out money because someone died and you're just like, whatever, pay them and let's just keep on going and doing yeah. what we're doing. Yeah. And you see what that does to the community, to the culture of of earth. Like we're literally just burning it to the ground because right. of it, you know? It's just, it, it, you really got to take a step back and go, what, what's the point of all this? Yeah. Like we could still make a living. It doesn't have to be like that i mean humanity is a trial of sorts we have been living as if the planet were much bigger than it is and it is not and and we also too many of us or too many of the or i think a silent conspiracy between those that know exactly what they're doing and those that don't know and who are convinced who joined the rat race you know and that group is in has an extraction mentality let's take let's take from the earth and the earth has limits. Mm-hmm. There are ways in which we could all strike a more harm, harmonious relationship with our earth. And, you know, just bring it back. Things like co-ops help us do that because they envision a different relationship with how food is produced. In the co-op, one of the things that we are very happy about is that they're going to come to us, local farmers, and buy from us or you know, arrange CSS for us. And and that's an important part, maybe a small part, but an important part of how we rebalance our relationship to our planet. All right, so how long have you been involved with the Dorchester Food Co-op? I came, I would say since 2017, okay. thereabouts. How'd that even start? How did you... I was at a farmer's market and I met one of the early uh members who asked me if i wanted to become no oh yes that's what it was so she she asked me if i wanted to become (laughs) and then there was this sister who was doing her phd at tufts and she asked me whether i would be on the advisory board and i said yeah of course you know Uh. it had nothing to do with how stunning and smart she was but she moved down to Washington. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. She, she works for one of those federal agencies uh, that is, uh, do all the all the health issues. But she, her background, her PhD was in nutrition, and it was an, an easy step. And we had such an awesome collection of folks. But it's been a hard, a very difficult, and long journey. We're about ten years into it, yeah. and the thing about that is that it's not unheard of for co-ops to go ten years from startup to getting the fiscal store that's just it's just hard and it's harder now that we live in a food space that is continuously being disrupted okay so late 20 2010s 2017 2018 
what do you do with a door of trust with Google? In terms of what, how does that, how that affect your day to day? Now you're you're working with them. Now you're doing stuff. You have you already farming. Yep. What is that? A, a, a lot of meetings. Um, you know, a lot of meetings around things that I would rather not. You know, I not my ideal way of spending my time. But I always, and I think this is true of all the people that were involved in the co-op at the board level, it's a working board, you know, and we, we had to put in a lot of work and we don't have a lot of capital to, although we always raise money as we went along. But what that meant is being in meetings, learning stuff that you didn't know, or um, doing stuff that you maybe wanted to leave behind. And some of that, the kind of work that gets done indoors, you know, where you sit all day and um, learning to work with people, to value people as people. You know, I think that in the business sector, you know, I'm going to value you. What, what are you going to do for me, Joe? Yeah, right. You know, let, let's develop this right. business relationship. What are you going to do? You know, let's make a deal. Let's make some money here. In the Dorchester Food Co-op, I'm working with people. We're working together. And it's about doing something for our community. You know, yeah. and, and it's not, yeah. you know, lots of meeting and um, working with professionals who would help us out, you know, the lawyers, the accountants, but a lot of, a lot of that stuff. So you're, and you're still doing your thing. You're still farming, right? Yeah. So yeah. that's actual moonlighting. Like the, like, by the, like I, you know, I moonlight, but it's a computer. And yeah. I complain about that. I'm like, oh, I'm so tired. And I go back upstairs, you know, but I, 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 there's something I admire about like, like the, Working with your hands. I don't care what it is, sewing, whatever. It's it, you just it starts, it stops. You know what I mean? You know what you're adding and taking away. I love it. It, it is, and when you um, see one of those gimbombo seeds yeah. go from <laughs> a seed to something taller than yeah, you, yeah. you say, "Wow, man, I did this." You know, but yeah. How's that been going? Doing both. That's been outstanding, uh, and uh, I mean, I it is. A lot of co-op members come and volunteer at the farm. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. And because of COVID, we we are strictly on run with volunteers, which makes it very hard. I'm the only paid person at the farm, and the farm is a project of the Cotman Square Neighborhood Development Corporation. Okay. Cool. Yeah. You know, which begins with housing first, but I also understands that housing. It's not just about bricks and mortar. It's also about the health and wellness of the entire neighborhood. That's yeah. why, you know, it's a neighborhood development corporation. And the co-op is something that resonates for them as well. Nice. Dorchester is doing big things. I respect it. I'm not a person myself, mostly <laughs> Roxbury. I'll say this, like Boston's not this big. Like we're yeah. all pretty much neighbors. Yeah, but, yeah. No, I, there's a lot of organizations that are getting their thing going over there. It's pretty cool to see. But Roxbury's been holding his own too. Yeah, know, so. yeah we do what we can. Yeah. So, uh, nice. Now, we're doing this with the Boston Ujima Project. And a big thing with that is just good principles, right? That there are businesses that Ujima Project chooses to work with based on the great things they do with the community and the principles that guide them. And there were a couple that you stood out. The big one was just making sure that food was in the community, which I think is, is understated. Like, it's... It is definitely understated it's the value right. of it and and what's going on. You know, right. we we're we're right next door to Chelsea Market, one of these big markets, yeah. and where produce comes in from the world and from other parts of the United States. Okay, because we don't produce 
a lot of the food that we consume. And it's not just Massachusetts, it is the New England region does not produce the food that we consume. Wow. So there is an agreement by the six New England states so that by the year 2060, we will be producing 50% of the food that we consume. That gives you an, a window into what we have and those long carbon footprints. Mm -hmm. Nice. So uh, one of those principles was the design of the store. I thought that was interesting. How does how does that work? And why is that important? It was store. It was community informed store design. Like what 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 does that even mean by that? And term and why is it important to choose what you have and what you don't have, where it is? Well, that has many dimensions. But from the start, we engage in a search and selection of architects. We felt best accomplished that that kind of mission, and and we chose this company. One principal is Miriam G, Asian woman. And the name of the company is Co-op Everything. And they are a specialist in co-op. They design with co-ops in mind. And immediately, one of the first things that they did, they took the input part of it to the community and the members. Yeah. So at, at every step, we have sought the input of the community, even including members and non-members as well especially given where the location that we ultimately ended up with, which is in Bowdoin Street, near the Bowdoin Street Health Center. That's just a good start. And beyond that, we also had a design for a very limited space because space is expensive, yep. you know? So we had to use efficient design and they came up with something and they got feedback from the membership and from the community and that feedback was used to refine the concept of the store nice so a big thing is the store next year next year where is it going to be it's going to be on Bowdoin street and topliff Bowdoin street and topliff which it. is maybe about 100 feet or so from the Bowdoin street health center got it so outside of the store that's coming next year is there anything else that you're looking forward to or that Dorchester Food Co-op, uh, that store is huge, but in terms of farming, food, anything, uh, networking, is there anything else that you have in the views of, you know what, we, this will look good as well. This is a nice little goal to have. You know, one of the most exciting part about it is that local entrepreneurs would have some option there. We used to have one co-op harvest and that went out of business. And Boston does not have a food co-op at all. And we're hoping that this will be the first of many. Maybe it might even be the first store that's in Dorchester, but it might be, you know, maybe we'll do one in, in Mattapan because folks there like Mattapan Food and Fitness, they get it. Mm -hmm. And they want access to their own. They want input, access and input, you know. So the store is, is generating a lot of excitement from the perspective of entrepreneur. If I have some hot sauce that I'm making out a Commonwealth kitchen with some locally sourced habanero, you know, I want my hot sauce in the co-op. Yeah. And now I could have it in these circles, you know, and of course, farmers, we want to have our produce there too. But one of the things that it empowers people to do is adopt standards, promote standards for how you, how those businesses that are you going to deal with are going to interact with their customers. Cool. You know, you shift the focus from extraction, exploitation to 
equity, equity for your employees, even if you're not a co-op, but you know, if you're a co-op, all the better. But, and, and I think that that value, that core value that the co-op has goes well with Ujiba project. Yeah. So at this point, I want you to shout out, is there any way anyone can support, how they can join, just, you know, where they can find you all, anything you'd like to promote right now, floor is yours. I, I would say that uh, definitely we want folks to join. Membership is very easy, but it does have a lot of benefits. And the fee is $100. You could pay in installments. The minute that you pay $25, for example, you would be fully vested. You could vote, you could hold office, and you could do any of that. We want people to volunteer to table at events across the community because we're still doing that. We're still fundraising. We're still getting members. And we do want a robust membership. And memberships pay so much dividend because that's how you might even come to Baloo to help out. And the contributions at Baloo from co-op members have been immense. And, you know, of course, anybody that uh, is uh, blessed with deep pockets, you know, you can invest in the co-op and you can also donate to the co-op. Become a member, yes, and shop this. Let us know what you want in your store. You know, and the, the issue of membership, just to give you, that's like sort of a passive, become a member. You don't have to attend any meetings, but we encourage you all board meetings are open to the members. But where that helps us out is that some lenders that are preferred lenders for co-op want to see that you have a viable membership. Because, you know, if you're going to get a, a loan to finish the build out, and that loan is for $500,000, for example, you don't want to have 800 people because you, you kind of look at that numbers and you do the math. You know, there is old-fashioned capitalistic math here, but it's driven by a better heart. Nice. <laughs> so there are so many ways that folks can contribute, but I would say if you have any kind of donating programs at the company that they work, if you consider connecting that to us, if you are blessed to have more than you need, you know, we'll put your money to good use. We'll provide access to those who can, because it's important that our co-op be a co-op for everyone. Nice. So good. Join if you can. Give money if you can. Give all your money. If you can. If you can. If you can. <laughs> Follow. This is great. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, Joel, for yeah. doing this, yeah. man. This is great. Yeah. This is great. I'm, I'm happy that you're moonlighting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this is life. <laughs> this is life. Yeah. So again, Joel is for the Moonlighters Club. Oh, this will be on the, where we put our podcast, where you'll find us. We'll make sure you get all the info you need about the Dorchester Foucault up. Thank you again to the Boston Ujima Project for bringing this all together. This is great. And thank you all for listening. This is a great opportunity to learn about what you eat, where it comes from, and, and to play a key role in that. So Apollo, again, thank you. Hope to see you again in the near future. Absolutely. Everyone else will see you until next time.